evening, and welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Today is Saturday, March 2nd. We are coming to you live from the Patrick Crowley Studios, directly mm. following the North London Derby, or NLD as the insiders like to call it. Yes, sir. Uh, got a whole lot to talk about, yep. and I might need to enforce the shot caller if we get too quickly into Arsenal, because we've been off for a while. Um, we're back on our 10th episode, and there's a lot to cover, um, so I'm happy to hit the ground running. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I, we don't have uh, an interviewed guest um, on this on this version of the episode, unfortunately. We're still on the lookout for, for potential, potential guests, but one thing we did do, a new segment we're going to introduce that I'm sure you all are very excited for, is called uh, Name Pending, for now, Andy's Book Report, where uh, I'm not sure if you all remember Andrew, uh, the engineer, Samora, who came on to our episode a few a few episodes back. And we figured we couldn't get enough of him in our lives, so we had him jump into a sound booth and do five minutes of just verbal stream of consciousness. Well, to be fair, we asked him to report back on what he learned about Leicester City, and what we got returned, I just think, delivered more than we ever could have expected. So I think you're going to want to you're going to stick around for the end of the episode to see what, what Andy's learned about Leicester. <laughs> Did he actually watch any soccer at all? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, uh, not too much in the way of segments today. I did think of a fun way to start off, and it. it's a one-time only segment, because mm. uh, I only thought of two iterations of this, <laughs> <laughs> so not a lot of legs to it, but I figured why, why not kick us off with a little fun game. Uh, so the Oscars just came and went, and I thought of a fun game where I will give you a one-line synopsis of one of the Best Picture nominees, and you have to tell me how it also applies to one of the top six clubs. Okay, let's do it. I don't know anything about these uh, uh, movies either, which is great. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's hit it. Okay. Aging addict struggles to navigate his relationship with a young starlet getting a taste for the limelight. I go um, United from the first half of the season. Wow. No, I was I was thinking. Sorry, the, sorry. Yeah, the standoff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's that's the modern version. Stars that. born there, but that's still the baby version of Mourinho and Pogba. You know, that's true. It's been around. Player power's been around. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so this one's a bit of a stretch. Okay. Hence the two iterations. Power hungry egotist manipulates his younger superior to control one of the largest world organizations. Wait, say that again. So the movie, if it helps, the okay. movie I'm thinking of is Vice, the Dick Cheney one. Yeah. So power-hungry egotist manipulates his younger superior to control one of the largest organizations. <laughs> That's a tough one. Because um, I just want to say, I want to say uh, the same thing I said for the first one. Yeah, well, this one is a stay woke of uh, Mike Phelan actually controlling the club as first in... First assistant to Solskjaer. <laughs> <laughs> Who's really pulling the strings? Yeah, 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 yeah. The little puppet master. Yeah, that might be a little inside baseball. All right, well, that was Oscar's matchup game. One and done. Yeah, we'll see you next year. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see you on our 100th episode. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, let's kick it off in earnest. Yeah. We are coming off the North London Derby. Since we were last on, there was a whole lot of Champions League. There was yep. a whole lot of FA Cup. Not a lot of Premier League, so it feels like a good time to come back in. And right. Why don't we just get started with what's most top of mind. Where Arsenal's at, coming off the North London Derby. Yeah, you know, I think um, both teams will probably walk away from there thinking they could have gotten a better result than they did. I think, you know, Arsenal put in a really great performance. 
you know, felt like they were they were holding on. So I, I, I don't really feel like uh, blaming the referee, even though it was pretty poor showing. But it went both ways, you know. Uh, Jacques could have been sent off very early. Uh, As is tradition. Yeah, but I mean, the, I think the thing that we'll feel done by, obviously, is the... Um, the Aubameyang penalty. You know, however the game shakes up, you want to be able to bury that penalty. And we hit that penalty. Um, you know, we'd at this point still be, I believe, two points clear of uh, United if we make that penalty. Or one point clear, rather, because uh, we get two more points. In Yeah, in the fourth place context, right. it was the best result for United because yeah. it really would have set a marker down for Arsenal not even challenging for fourth but making that step up to even third, which is, un- off which is unthinkable. Right. Like, it's funny how the landscape changes just from that missed penalty. Right, and it's, it's I think that's, that's just, it's the um, it's the pace of the Premier League just showing itself yet again, because you had, you know, Tottenham seemed to be pretty much deadlocked in the third, just last weekend, really. And then the midweek loss to Chelsea, then nearly losing this game, you know, could have changed everything. And now, I mean, I think they're still in a comfortable third. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if they found their way outside of the top four with, I think only nine games left. But, you know, Chelsea with their game in hand, their two games in hand, they could be in fourth. You know, they're, they're six points from them, but they're, they're right in the mix. So <laughs> it's going to be a wild, wild ride. The big one, obviously, uh, yeah. United-Arsenal, because coming weekend, um, you got to feel whoever comes out on top of that is, is looking pretty good for fourth. I did have down that it seems like a collision course uh, destined right. between our two teams here. So tensions will be high going into yeah. the, the prem de la prems of the later season. Who um, who do you think the game means more for? Uh, I think it means more for Arsenal. Really? Because I think everyone is under the impression that Manchester United is a new team and they're on the come up and they're not slowing down. Right. And I would say, objectively, they're going into that game as favorites. And I think it's a marker for Arsenal to lay down and say, no, we're at home. Mm-hmm. We're playing some decent football ourselves. Right. This is our game to win. Yeah, and I think that this is, um, this is a game that has me nervous as an Arsenal fan because, uh, you know, every time you play United, really any top six sides, but I feel like we've always played little brother to United. You know, just everything that we can do, they can do better and more frequently. Just historically, and, you know, we'll have our, 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 our wins, and years ago we had more, but, you know, the... <laughs> What it is is it's with we have we have a with no other top six sides after this game, a win puts us into fourth and it's ours to lose. Yeah, it's at home. United is crippled right now with their injuries. Skeleton team. It's it's a game that I think if Arsenal wants to say we are a top four side, we deserve to be in the Champions League. They have to win. Yeah. How quickly can we get Jesse Lingard back? <laughs> get him on the dance floor. Brush up. <laughs> Brush up those moves. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I actually disagree with you because I do think it's a bigger game for United. And the reason I say that is I think that Arsenal, with a loss even, can recover and still get top four due to that run of fixtures that they have. They still have to have a few mm-hmm. things go their way, but the other big teams are clashing. You have Champions League in play. Other things can happen. And Arsenal, I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit, still has the Europa League play to get into Champions League, which I've said before, that's my metric for success this year is be Champions League next year. So there's two, two avenues for Arsenal. And so that, that, that's where I'd be coming from on, on thinking it means yeah, a lot for United. In my mindset, I think it's a really damaging result if you're an Arsenal, if you're the team, if you're the Arsenal team, and you're lo- you lose to United, you had a good point that um, their schedule is actually fairly easy, no more top six teams to right. play. But what about the mentality going into those weird trip-up away games where you're realizing we can't beat 
we're not able to beat these top six teams. Right. Do we really belong here? And they start doing a little bit of mental gymnastics against themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always a danger for Arsenal, especially away, because they still have Watford away. They still have, I believe, Leicester away, and they still have Wolves away. Those three games are not cakewalks. You know, and those games are, are very easily ga- games that I could see Arsenal slipping up. I did like to call those the banana peel games, and then we realized we were calling Huddersfield a banana <laughs> peel game, so it's really uh, running the full gamut. Yeah. Every game, anything could happen. Yeah, it, it's it's the, uh, it's just, it just comes with being an Arsenal fan. Just, you, you never know what you're going to get, you know, master class against Chelsea, well, not really, Chelsea shit the bed, but like, mm-hmm. you know, they could, they could absolutely dominate. You know, they did against Burnham midweek. Great game against Tottenham. I could see him shit in the bed at home against United. I could see him beating United and losing to... Historic, Wolves, historically, know? it's expected. At home, yeah. I mean, it's... United took... Um, Actually, the last, six time, points last year. the last time I remember Sanchez playing well was when he ripped United apart. I think under the Van Hal era, like 2016. I remember him having a really good game. It's been a while. Yeah, but, yeah that, that, that fixture, because, I mean, if we... We look at the table. United's currently sitting in fourth. Let's go to the tape. A point clear of Arsenal. So, I mean, even a draw, I think, is fine for Arsenal there, just just given that run of fixtures. But, obviously, I think United would be very happy with the draw. I think both teams would take a draw. Right. Arsenal Arsenal would rely on their, their remaining fixtures to put them in that position. Right. And, uh, you know, United, a way to Arsenal, it, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, but, I mean, we, we talk about, like, that... Like the losing those away fixtures, it's already kind of this loser mentality that I'm kind of like building into my head for Arsenal. Like this is a game they should just win. If they want to be a top four side, they got to win this game. And then I think you just talked yourself into my point of view. Yeah, I mean it's a big <laughs> game, but it's I, I think they can still recover. I just think that it says a lot about the characters of the team. Mm-hmm. If and you know, I mean, I could, that's that's why I think I'm okay with a Tottenham result. Like an, an, a, a, a Arsenal played well. They they had a plan, executed it well. The substitutions were literally timed to the minute, like you would at FIFA. It was 45, 55, 70. You know, it was it was bar a couple of uh, you know decisions and a few slip ups. You know, almost, mm. really tactically a great effort from from United Emery, which I was when I saw the team sheet, I was not happy. Yeah, so I do yeah, have to give that a was a live. That was a 4:30 a.m. Yeah. live readout of the team sheet. Yeah, no Ozil and. Um, Tactical masterclass from Emery, who came out and very eloquently put it in his post-match interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, you know, basically saying that um, you know VIR can't be here soon enough to help the referees. Everybody understands how difficult it is. Every to question, make the right call without the TV. Every question posed to Emery is a pre-planned statement. Yeah. in return. <laughs> yeah, usually with a good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Um, let's let's talk about the flip side of right. the, the NLD. Spurs just about two weeks ago were the they were the outsider in the title race. Mm-hmm. No one see, uh, the majority of people were not seriously considering them to be title contenders, but mathematically they were there four or five points off. And yeah, and I think their breakup with Mike Dean has really affected their run of results. Yeah, you hate to see it. You know they had a good thing going. Star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the incident, it was a way to Burnley. Pochettino, he really ripped into Mike Dean, like embarrassingly ran out to center field where the refs line up and shake everyone's hand yeah. and just has to get pulled away from him. And I went back and I was like, what was this egregious call? Basically, <laughs> Mike Dean, you can hate him for a lot of reasons. Right. He gave 
he gave Burnley a questionable corner, which they then scored from. And I'm like, does that warrant just yeah. an absolute blasting yeah. from a coach? It was an indirect, you know, affecting of a goal. Well, yeah, how do you feel about the, the referee giving it? Well, I guess United pulled out the victory, but the, uh, the second goal the United conceded. Was a similar situation, yeah. and you were you weren't too pleased with yeah. the, so, with, I mean, with the man in yellow. That's true, uh, but I think Mike Dean had it coming because well, he's yeah. he's been, his antics have been has been been racking up for a little while. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, Spurs, Spurs. I think um, I don't really know what their run of fixtures is. I, I do believe they still have City, but uh, I think that might be it for them in the top six. Um, and so you gotta, you know, they're. They're, they're, they're 10 points off pace, yeah, for the, for the title right now? Yeah, I mean... They're, I they're out of the title race. He's already... But I, I think they're locked into the top four. I don't even think it's like a shrewd managerial tactic when Pochettino says they're out of the title race. I think he's genuinely saying, yeah, we're out of the title race. Right, but let's, let's think about this, though, because if... Let's, let's say Chelsea wins their next two fixtures, which is a way to Fulham tomorrow and home at Wolves. Those are the games in hand. Those are the games in hand. Yeah. And so, let's say Chelsea wins those. They're sitting on 59 points. They're two points behind Tottenham. And then a point below them is United and a point below United is Arsenal. You, in the right set of circumstances, both three and four are up for, for, for grabs. The two, there's, I think there's two Champions League spots up for grabs still. Yes. I, I agree with you. Not um, as much as there could have been. Lo- lo- logically, I agree with you. I think in my mind, I haven't accepted the idea or entertained the idea that Spurs is actually going to drop out. Yeah. I, obviously, the points tell that story that it could happen, but I think Pochettino's a good enough manager to damage control and get them in the Champions League by the end of the season. Um, and then, <clears throat> sorry, I just saw West Ham get a penalty there. Yeah. Oh. They do have, um, so they have Liverpool away, so they'll almost certainly drop three points right. there. And my other point being, these players... And they, City away. They have Liverpool and City away. That's, it's possible. Harry Kane's back. Son, Erickson in the team, and then Deli Alley. Uh, he'll probably be back in a month or so. Yeah, he'll yeah. be back before the end of the season. So I don't think they're um, in true, like, just free fall, but I'm glad this conversation about them being title contenders is done. Yeah. Because that got tiring. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. You know, and, and it was the odd Spurs Reddit fan or the, the ones who would reply to the Sport Bible Instagram, just seething comments. Yeah, I mean, I get it. They're just they're they're grasping at straws. They got they got a. I mean, they did get a trophy. Pochettino got manager of the year. Yeah, God all, knows how. But they all have tiny penises too. Yes, little spud heads. That is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. And ooh, I'm sorry, we were distracted by the West Ham penalty that almost happened. But um, but no, I think I think Spurs. Spurs is an interesting team. You know, I love to shit on them, obviously, but they're a team that I feel is probably. You know, a a really strong midfielder away from being a title contender. Like I just think they need one big purchase so that they don't have to play Wanyama in a mm. big game or something like that. You know, like because it's always it's I the guess same the conversation with, with them their subs. The conversation with them, and we're seeing this with a lot of owners, is like to what level are they willing to invest? Right. You think well, the new stadium is tough? You think it's one player, maybe the person who fits into that Wanyama. Harry Winks role. Well, I mean, I think the. Um, I mean, obviously, it's 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 not going to happen at least for an, an, another couple years if if it does happen. But like somebody like Modric, who he's obviously you know just won the Ballon d'Or, so he's not 
He's the best player in the world. He's not going to Spurs, but he came from Spurs. Right. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility for him to sit in there with Erickson. There's also rumors of Erickson leaving. So, you know, I, I just think that they have such a thin margin for, um, like, their, their depth is just so razor thin. But they do, they, they're they a very consistent team. They don't have, they had a, they had a couple slip-ups, but, mm-hmm. I mean, they always seem to be, they don't, they don't really bottle things, you know? Yeah. Not the way that, like, Arsenal can or that Chelsea had, you know, or I mean, even United to some degree this year. Like Tottenham lost like a two-one game late. You know, it's not nearly as bad as the the six-nothing blowout <laughs> to City that Chelsea did, or Arsenal getting embarrassed at Anfield. You know, that those right. things didn't happen to them. Well, their their DNA is, you know, the Spursiness is them bottling big occasions, right. and I think they have the talent to carry them into a third, fourth place finish. Yeah. But I, yeah. You can never take them seriously. Uh, what about Champions League? Do you consider them at all threat in Champions League? They just—I think they got three nothing over. Dortmund. Yeah, they dismantled Dortmund, and, and credit to them. I think something weird is going on in the Bundesliga because Dortmund's top of the league, and I look at their team, and it, it's got some exciting youngsters: Pulisic, Sancho. Yeah. I don't think it's anything special outside of your Royce and your Goetze. Not to go on a not to go on a yeah. um, tangent there, but no, no I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't take them seriously in the Champions League. Okay, no, I mean neither do I. I just. The, I just the, for the record, the only English team I take seriously in the Champions League is Man City. You do not take Liverpool seriously? No. Even though they went to the final last year? Correct. Do you have any reason for that? I, mean, I think there's a, a, a serious threat with their... They don't, they, I think they've given up two goals once. More, more than one goal one time this whole year. Right? Wrong. Or is it twice now? I don't know. I'm just not counting them. Oh, okay. <laughs> when they gave up three goals to City, it was the first time they gave up more than one goal. This entire season. Correct. Hmm. The VVD effect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, before we move off of Spurs entirely, I did want to read out this stat because I'm, I'm known to be a Pochettino critic, and I, I still struggle to see where a lot of his, his like, credibility and, and plaudits come from mm-hmm. because I I just feel like his accomplishments are so average. You know, keeping Spurs in the Champions League spots, that is good. Right. But I don't think he's in this this category of amazing managers. The stat that I wanted to read out is um, a 2-1 win over Man City in February 2016 is the only victory Spurs have claimed in 18 away games against the other members of the so-called Big, big Six. So Pochettino is suffering under this inability... We, we talked about this with Arsenal, inability to win against these other big teams. And as a manager, that's yeah. where you stake your claim. Right. Beating those other top-tier managers. Yeah. And I, we can get to United and obviously their managerial search, but this whole idea that Pochettino is like this this coveted savior is, is has always been strange to me. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I, I kind of feel like one hand he's made the most of his resources. You know, it doesn't they, they bought no players over the summer. I can't imagine that was entirely his decision. So you think he's just capped at what he's able to do? I I mean, I look at somebody like like Son. Um, you know, I think he's maximized Son's abilities. I think he's helped maximize Erickson's. Like, I think everybody on that team is playing near their peak. Sure. And so it makes me wonder, like, are they, are they, is this just as good as they can be? Like what are they missing? And I just think it's there's a there's a, just a gap of talent from one to eleven, or probably even like one to fifteen or sixteen when you look at Liverpool or City. 
that they just they fall off at a certain point. So you're saying and if they had more resources, I think they could be a legitimate threat. It's just the sum of their potential. They've they've maxed out, and they're not I believe so. Either. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I think I put a little bit more of that on the coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that yeah, the, the the coach's job is to maximize the potential. And I mean, if you're looking to keep, like he said something like you know, I, don't, I think I need another five or ten years to win a title, something like that. Wolves is coming into the league saying seven. So you know, like that's let's 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 not get this misconstrued. They've got a the Price is Right Wolves, right? Some guy that's been in the six. Champions League for you know five six years in a row or whatever it is thinks he still needs another decade. Whereas Wolves enters the league and thinks that, that they had, can win. That had to have been a faux pas. I'm sorry, would say a misunderstanding. Yeah, <laughs> a misunderstanding where the I said exactly what I wanted that I to said. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my words that came out perfectly was just taken and correct. Good evening. Good evening. Should we talk about United? Yeah, let's get into it. Because I think my main my main talking point with them today, the the games speak for themselves. People, I don't need people. I don't need to talk about the games. Uh, I got I the greatest games. The, the best games. games. Ask people about the my games. games. Haven't lost. Haven't lost. Um, no, I think the main talking point I have is the managerial search because we're at this point. Solskjaer, Solskjaer's record: uh, Drew Burnley, Drew Liverpool, one out in every other competition, FA Cup and Premier League. We're not going to talk about the Champions League. It's not a Champions League podcast, so let's let's call a record there. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I know the Europa League. Is that like that? <laughs> is that the top one? Yeah. Is that is that similar to the coveted Europa League we're chasing? <laughs> Real teams play on Thursdays. <laughs> At 10 in the morning. Just gets me into my workday a little Bel- bit quicker. In Belarus. Right. Um, so we are at the point in the season where the reports are coming out that no other manager is being sought out to take United's full-time job. The vibes have never been stronger for Solskjaer. I love it. I love everything that's going on. I can't shake in the back of my mind and maybe this is like being burned by Mourinho and Van Hal and Moyes. I can't shake in the back of my mind that this is going to end badly if we if we hire Solskjaer. And full time, you mean? Full time. As much as like, is, is, I am. I'm not saying don't give it to him because he's earned it. I just see in the back of my mind how much slack does he have if they hit a rough patch and things aren't going well and it doesn't look like they're going to challenge for the title or even. God forbid, challenge for the top four next season. Right. A, I don't think Mourinho's the right example. A Guardiola or a Klopp. I mean, Liverpool does, deserves a lot of credit for how much time they gave Klopp. Um, That's true. I, I, they have credentials to fall back on if things aren't going well. Solskjaer, I think the, the mindset would immediately shift to like, oh, well, it was a good run. That, that lightning in a bottle's run out. And I'm worried that this is still just a temporary thing. Or maybe he's actually an amazing coach. But it seems strange to me that until this need for a caretaker manager, he still has been coaching in these lower league Right. Teams. I mean, I think the thing to me that's... Like, what, what, what is the, the threshold? Does he, does he already earn the, 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 the managerial job for next year in your eyes? Like, is there, is, is there a set of circumstances that see the season out? Where he doesn't, I don't see the yeah. style of football changing. I see the the injuries maybe coming to fruition in a way that they miss the top four and they aren't in the Champions League next year. I I think he's earned it. He's, With, without the Champions League, you would still give him the job. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, Champions League. Um, I mean, um, we can go. We can go to the record. I, I never really gave us a huge shout against PSG. It was a. It was a whitewash. Moment. I meant qualifying for next year's Champions League. Oh right. Okay. So you mean finishing the top four? Right. I think that's Mourinho's doing. Sure. I, I wouldn't hold it against Solskjaer, and I I do think he's earned it. Yeah. So. You know, I, I believe these reports that we're not seeking out anyone else. I think Zidane's actually been tipped for Chelsea. So you take him out of the equation. Who's really out there? And the name is Pochettino. And I think that's the choice. But, um, yeah, I do think I do think it's going to be given to him, which I'm really happy about in the moment because things have been amazing. But looking down the line, I would hate to see things sour. And I don't think he has a reputation to fall back on of I'm growing this team out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that what, what he gives you is he kind of guarantees you you're going to be happy with the product that's on the field or the effort or, you know, the, the creativity. You know, he's, you're not going to get... You, you, he will restore that level of what Ferguson had in United is that free flow and play, let your players express themselves. The, the late game heroics he's already been able to master to a crazy degree. But... I, the question won't be answered until a full Premier League campaign. Can he manage a team through the ups and downs, through multiple competitions, mm-hmm. and compete with the rest of the top six? Because, quite frankly, I don't see the pace slowing. I only see it getting faster. Mm-hmm. I think that the gap, you know, hopefully, between you know the three and six that we're talking about gets closer to that one and two over the next yeah. couple of years. I don't see them getting further away, but I don't see them slowing down either. So I could see several teams with you know 90 points. In, yeah. in, in in a few years' time, and I don't know that he has it in his locker to, you know, put together that tactical masterclass. I I agree. I I, I do think competition's not going to get any easier. So if we commit to to Ole, I think it's saddling up with him, and I think that's a commitment for a guy who we haven't seen given a full season. Yeah. Um, and then one other interesting thought. And I think this will eventually segue us to talking about Chelsea. But managers in general, are you also getting the impression that the future of managers is young people who have proven themselves at given clubs and are able to relate to players are the new managers of the future? The Simeones, the Solskjaer's. Um, when I bring up Chelsea, Even it's Zidane like... Zidane with, with Madrid. Zidane is a great Gattuso example. Gattuso at Milan. Exactly. And I think... Um, People are bringing up, oh, bringing Lampard at Chelsea, and it's like, I think people are trying to recreate this this uh, lightning in a bottle moment at their clubs because they're seeing it work out so well, right. and we're seeing how managers of, of of years past, you know, Mourinho, that was his big thing. It feels like the game's caught up to him. I think that mold is starting to go away. Yeah, I think I'm curious to hear what you're. Well, I think is. the biggest thing managerial is you have to be adaptable. Uh, and I think that the thing that a lot of managers struggle with today, or some managers struggle with today, is that adaptability and the stubbornness to play their system. And today's player has a lot of power. Uh, every player has a brand. They have their social media. They could, you know, they, one one Instagram post or liking a comment, you know, can get people buzzing about something. Um, and you, Chelsea's the Chelsea's the biggest example of this, I think. Just with, but, but it's it's really the support of the board. If the manager doesn't have the support of the board, then the players can do whatever they want. I think that the board has to empower the manager, but in today's game, it seems like managers don't really have that long of a leash in most cases. And you mentioned Klopp. Klopp, Klopp goes to Chelsea, he doesn't see a third season. You know? 
and, and it took Pep a while to get going at, at, at City as well. And obviously, yeah. you bring in Pep, you're not going to get rid of Pep. He's fucking Pep. Right. But he, he is the anomaly. Right. And, and, and what's, what's crazy is, is um, you know, people are saying, you know, Arsenal's regressing. They're not playing as well as mm. they had it, you know, that th- they should be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the best Premier League campaign they've had since 2012-2013 so far, you know, pace-wise. Yeah, and so points to games played. Right, and so they're they're they they have to be taking a step forward under a new manager. And so, as much as you know, I have some issues with his team selection sometimes. It's working. He's imprinting his identity on this team, and that matters. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. I I just don't think that managers have the same pull that they used to, and that's why I say they got to be adaptable because I think that they have mm-hmm. to cater to the players. Yeah, because. The players need to be happy. The players are the ones with the leverage. I think, and I'm in no way am I saying this is a good thing, but I think now respect needs to be earned on the manager's part. It's not just given. Right. I think something managers might have taken for granted if they weren't the most charismatic of people. Sorry, doesn't seem that charismatic to me. Love him to death. Right. I don't think he's got the yeah the charisma to light up a room. I think maybe in in years past and as, as as recent as maybe like 5 10 years ago i think managers you are given respect like right. that is the least you know you're given that rope just for being there i think now it's earned and i think we're seeing it a lot in these young players cuz they're relatable mm-hmm. and it's like this is a club legend you think you have a stronger opinion than this player who you saw growing yeah. up and doing wonderful things for their club um, it's just an interesting trend. Especially when that, um, because you talked about the locker room culture and stuff like that. If you have, you know, we'll, we'll use United as an example. Um, you got Rashford is a, is a, you know, Academy, Academy boy, mm-hmm. Pogba to a degree, you know, they transferred him away and transferred him back. So I'm yeah. not giving you full credit There were some million years. Yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's some lost years in his time. We did all the development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and, and Lingard, I believe as well is yeah. an Academy boy. Yeah. And so, um, and then I, I don't know what, where, um, where, uh, like Lindelof came from. I don't know where Smalling came from or Phil Jones. I don't know if those are all Academy. Phil Jones was a Blackburn guy. Uh, Smalling came from, he was one of those non-league, like Jamie Vardy stories. Like he oh, was awesome. playing, he was playing like Maidstone United, went to Fulham and then, and then Man United. Yeah, and then, I mean, McTominay got to start today. You know, there's plenty of guys that I think that coming up in the academy, United is your life. You you know, you're maybe not watching him at that moment because mm-hmm. maybe he's a little too young because mm-hmm. they're children these days. But they're aware of these club legends, and they're the respect is already there. It doesn't have to be earned. Whereas. And I think that Klopp had, had to, you know, something like that. He's he's already relatable. He has a history at Dortmund. Mourinho, he just has a history of fucking shit up, you know, and usually getting some results out of it. He rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I think, you know, hopefully, Sorry's. I, I hope Sorry has a has a good run at Chelsea. It's weird for me to like root for Chelsea in a way, but I think he's good for Chelsea, and I'd like to see him stay. Yeah. No, let's talk about this. I, I'm in an interesting spot with Chelsea too because. Um, growing up, they were my least favorite team. It was when United and Chelsea were challenging for everything. Obviously, the right. 2008 Champions League final. I hated Chelsea. Oh yeah. And now I'm realizing the reasons I hated this team are gone. I hated John Terry. I hated Didier Drogba. Fuck, I hated Mourinho. And now, the a club changes over time. 
I feel like you don't just hate a club. Maybe a, a, a Tottenham Arsenal, Liverpool, United. There's always going to be like some natural hatred there. Right. But like I look at Chelsea and I'm like, it's not the same club. Like I don't mind rooting for the team when I have to. Right. Um, but Chelsea itself is in a really interesting and strange space. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. I was watching that game with friends who were new to soccer, and I, I tried to explain to them the whole, like, this has never happened before. Right. And for listeners, we're talking about uh, the the embodiment and literal personification of player, player power playing out in a game where Sarri, at the end of the game, wanted to call off Kepa, Chelsea's main goalkeeper, to bring in Willy Caballero, their backup for penalties, and Kepa stood his ground and refused to come off. Right. And so there's two things that I want to make a point here. First, in the laws of the game, if a player refuses to come off the field for a substitution, the game must go on. That is in the laws of the game. So sorry, in that position, I doubt they kept a study of the rule book and knew this. And that's when the referees were explaining to sorry, he's like, this is the rules. If he doesn't come off, we have to play on. And that's when sorry lost his shit. So Keppa, in the laws of the game, was allowed to do what he did. I've never seen that happen so blatantly, I've seen people say, no, I'm not injured, and then a substitution gets called off and they come to an agreement. Or but there is a get... stern disagreement of whether or not that should happen. And another thing you see all the time is a player throwing a fit once they're off the field. Right. But they come off the field. Yeah, just watch an Arsenal game, and around the 50th to 70th minute, Lacazette will be subbed off, and he will throw his jacket under the bench. You know? <laughs> it happens every game, full, without, without fit. Three things in life are confirmed. Death, taxes, Lacazette throwing his jacket in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Lacazette... Uh, a substitution midway through the second half. <laughs> uh, but no, and then the second thing that I want to say about that is, obviously you have to respect your manager's decision, but this wasn't just, there, there was a little bit of an injury. Caballero used to be the goalkeeper for City, the team they were playing a penalty and kick. He, the irony is smacking everyone in the face because Caballero was the hero in a penalty shootout for the Carabao Cup final right. two, three years ago. And in, um, I, I read this ass somewhere on Reddit. He has, since he moved to England, he has an over 60% save percentage on penalty kicks. Someone made a good comparison. He's phenomenal well, at penalty kicks, and he's playing his former team. This was the absolute right move for Sorry, and he saved a sub for 120 minutes to use it, it in that one zone. It was the absolute right move. I don't know if you remember the 2014 World Cup. Uh, yep. Netherlands did this. Yes. They brought on Tim Krul. Tim Krul to just fuck with the Costa Rican players, and it worked. Yeah, and he almost did it a second time, I believe. The- and I saw this working out as well. I forget who said this. Someone had a great Caballero um, explanation, because I think in totality, he is a backup keeper. He's not a main keeper. And he messes up when he has too much time. But if he's staring a penalty in the face and he has to make a decision quickly... He's, he does he does a pretty good job. Yeah, he's been around the block. It's when you let him stand with the ball for about ten seconds. <laughs> That's when he picks out a forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, needless to say, we're both team sorry in that situation. Right, 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 right. Not only was what Keppa did despicable, I I would be disappointed if he found his way back into the team. And good on Caballero for playing the following game against Spurs and getting a clean sheet. I don't think he had too much to do, but... Zero saves. <laughs> Again, I don't think he had too much to do. <laughs> a clean sheet's a clean sheet. Hey, I mean, when you got Trippier playing on the other team, you're going to yeah. be just fine. Just slotting one home. <laughs> but um, as, as, as accountable as Kepa should be, let's talk about Azpilicueta. Yeah. Let's talk about maybe not as much David Luiz, but the team as a whole. 
it was the most damning indictment of disrespect to sorry and player power. Yeah. The fact that you're, I mean, everyone called out the fact that the team captain is not serving his role as the manager on the field mm-hmm. and forcing this goalkeeper off. Um, it, it was, it was almost like poetically sad in it's, a way. Yeah, it's a shame. It's yeah. Cause I, I, you know, as Pilipoita is one of those guys that I don't really like just cause I think he's just a little nasty, but I think he's a very, very good player. I've always had a lot of respect for him. He plays for the badge, not the badge I like, but you know, he's a, he's a guy that he I've plays always for a badge. yeah he's a guy that I've always kind of admired as a footballer, and this was a really really bad look for him. You're given the armband, and that's you have a role to do. There was a series of amazing post match post match interviews. The the famous one is sorry saying it was a misunderstanding after yeah. he threw a tantrum tantrum. <laughs> but uh, the one that flew under the radar was Aspilicueta saying I can't comment. I was on the other side of the field. It's the worst. It's the worst. You know, I mean, it, you, you, you have to take some ownership there. You have to take some ownership. And, I mean, I think that what, what um, if I'm a Chelsea fan, horrible look, but they answered as strong as they could have. You know, home against Tottenham uh, in their next game, two or three days later, um, Kepa's benched for Caballero, like you said, and he kept the clean sheet. Chelsea worked Tottenham. They worked. Yeah. They, they, they played very, very well. And after, they played well against City, and then that, it's all that's going to be remembered is the is the exactly. thing. They, they, had played a good a, game. they had a good game against City, and you know they're. I, I I think it speaks to the some of the character that's still left in that Chelsea team, where they could say, "Okay, we we messed up, and we have to show up," and they did. You could see in Pedro's goal, Aspilicueta literally collapsed to the ground, face first, screaming in joy. Like he, it meant the world to him. I think he carried the weight of that. Uh, you know, his mistake on, on In the, on the weekend. weirdest way, this is a perfect segue, by the way, talking about the aftermath and the bounce-back ability from right. this moment. In a weird way, maybe this was good for the team. Yeah. Like they were, they were publicly shown up. Right. And it's like the players, not just set aside respecting sorry, like respect yourself as, right. as a professional. And I think one thing I want to ask you about is... Sorry seems like this manager who has his obituary written, and I'm not talking about his nicotine addiction. Right. He, I'm sure he'll linger. Yeah, that one's written as well. He'll, live, not long, one we're talking he'll, he'll live a long, healthy life. Yeah. But uh, his professional obituary keeps getting written by the media, and he keeps bouncing back. And my question is, to what extent do you think the players have given up on him? You know, I... Because it doesn't seem like they fully have, which is no, the strangest thing. No, and because it, it, I do think to that point, I think that they're still willing to fight for him, and I think that they understand that the issue lies on them as well. And the media is starting to get privy to the fact that Chelsea has a reputation of it's not working out. Fire the manager, mm-hmm. and they're facing a transfer ban, which. You know, I think the, the, the Pulisic transfer, the Higuain loan with the option to buy, not getting rid of uh, Hudson-Odoi, all of that stuff makes a lot more sense now that we think that they might be out of a transfer side and with Hazard potentially leaving. All of that makes a lot more sense. The price tag on Pulisic isn't as crazy if they can't buy anybody for the next two windows mm-hmm. and lose probably their mm-hmm. best player. So I, you know, I I think that there's they're, they're in turmoil and they showed some backbone against Top. Yeah, um, I do think that they have it in their locker to finish in the top four. 
You know, they've, they've got the team. They have a, a strong enough core. We were saying statistically, if they win their games in hand, they are in fourth place. Correct. Correct. And I'm not quite so sure what their schedule is. I'll give it a, I'll give it a peek. But, um, you know, I, I, I do think that they have... Uh, they, so they have 27 games played, and, you know, they don't have um, really no one, here in, no one here in March of any threat. They have to go away to Liverpool... Away to United. I guess Everton away is not the game that it used to be. No. No. So, I mean, the big games, I would say, are um, in April. They got uh, Liverpool away and United away. And those will be Liverpool probably not, but the game against United might be this season. United is going to be a great one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So am I, because that's like like when you were watching the North London Derby today. Someone's someone's losing points. Watching watching the game is a loose phrase. I was one eye (laughs) half open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You serendipitously woke up for the Kane penalty kick just to oh. say something snarky and go back to bed. That's <laughs> what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same thing during the first Southampton goal. Didn't even see it, but still had the wherewithal to say something. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, um, I think Chelsea will be okay. And I think that they're in a position where they can't afford to fire a manager because of this transfer ban. So I think Sarri's going to have a little bit of legs, and I think everyone's just going to – they don't really have a choice. They kind of have to rally behind him. I I personally rally behind him, and I want him to shut people up. Right. Because he's been given such a tough job, and he's been like, I mean, he has to take some responsibility for being shown up like like he was. Yeah, in the yeah, final. yeah. You have to be able he's to doing your... something wrong, right? Like for sure. But um, I mean, it's just the kind of guy I want to to turn things around. Yeah, and I, I hate saying that because it's Chelsea. Yeah, it's weird saying that, but I want to see him at least get some, some patience and success. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's see him beat Liverpool. That'd be great. Would be pretty cool. Last question on Chelsea for me, at least. Okay. When is it appropriate to reintroduce Kepa into the starting lineup? Never. No, you would never play him again. No. I. That was despicable. Yeah, I agree. I I would leave him on the bench for the rest of the season. And then mm. if he feels come, like he can come around, I'd, mm. I'd have no issues going into next year. But I mean, I think that... Well, I guess that's another thing about the transfer ban. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they can yeah. afford to get rid of him. And also, I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's going to sit the rest of the season. I don't think so either. I think he might play tomorrow. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, me personally, right. it rubbed me in a complete wrong way. And, and the BBC pundits, I feel like former players are always on their high horse of in my day. Yeah. Those are the classic in my dayers. And they, they might've convinced me a little bit cause they were going so hard, like get him out, put him on the next plane. Um, and I don't, I don't even hate that mentality, you know, cause I think that what that would do to, for sorry, I mean, I think he has to have the backing of his, his board. And with the transfer ban, I don't think he can really have that. But they, they're going to appeal the transfer ban so they might have an open summer window. Yeah. If they have an open summer, summer window and can buy a replacement, they should absolutely sell him. They should absolutely sell him, get him off the team. Mm-hmm. I think that if Sorry doesn't play him and actually sticks to his guns, even if it's like a few games or if it's he doesn't start against Liverpool, or if yeah. he doesn't start against United, you leave him out of the big games. Yeah. I think that that is a that is a very strong moment for Sorry with his connection to the board where he stands with the board. I mean, provided he doesn't get canned after Kadir right. fucks up, but right. uh, I think that that is a big moment for him, and I, I hope that he does it because that also earns the respect of his other players. And it, yeah, it was just sad because you know guys like uh, you know Rudiger, David Luiz, Aspilicueta, 
Hazard, where's the leadership? Like, where's the on-field leadership? And those are guys that they have shown it yeah. at times, but just in a big, big moment, they're all they're all invisible. Well, it goes back to what, and I think just for a last point on Chelsea to what you're saying, it goes back to when we had Carl on the show, you know, our Chelsea fan, and he goes, maybe in a vacuum you would say Hazard is a better player than Drogba. Hazard's not a leader. He's not a leader of men. You know, Drogba was a gritty, see you next Tuesday, leader of men. Right. And that's what they're lacking right now. Scored all of the biggest goals yeah. in the biggest games. Wolf. You know, the, the, yeah. Including like, the offsides one at Old Trafford that I was there. Uh, let's, I want to take the concept of player power and pull back at a larger view. Yeah. When this happened in front of my, my friends who don't watch soccer, I was like, oh, is this an indictment on the state of soccer as a game? Like players are doing this. I tried to think of comparisons to other sports. And I feel like you don't see this really in the NFL. I don't know enough about the NHL. My one thought that came to mind is basketball, specifically LeBron, you know that he has more sway than Luke Walton and Ty, uh, Tyron Lue when he was at right. Cavs. I feel like that's the it's, only example I can yeah, draw. Yeah, it's, it's the on-field product, not so much. It's more contractual Trade Behind stuff, the right? Like I mean, you see with the uh, the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell holding out for two years or yeah. a year, uh, Brown demanding a trade, and you know that. I think that players know what their worth is, and they're willing to test it. Um, I think somebody like LeBron, <clears throat> sure, give him what he wants. Somebody like Keppa, get the fuck out, <laughs> get the fuck out. Like certain players earn that, and I don't know what you did to earn that. You flubbed the save on. Uh, on Aguero, yeah, you know, you, yeah, it, it, it's always going to be harsh to say that the goalkeeper lost a penalty shootout, right? But after you pull that shit, you can't make a mistake, and he I, did. I guess there are the untouchables where it's like maybe it's not so much player power; it's like legend status. Like Pep's right. not going to get fired from a job, right? And yeah, LeBron, Wenger didn't even get fired from a job. You know, he was he was asked to leave. <laughs> you know, and he, he did, on, did it on his did it on his turn. Yeah, he was absolutely a legend. Oh yeah, he's in absolutely his, in, his, in his own right. Yeah, um, top three, top three manager in Prem history. True or false? Ooh, wow. Uh, ooh, no. Mourinho, Pep, and Fergie. You giving it to Pep already? Yes. For his like three years in the Premier League. Are you saying best managers or like on their on their? I'm awards? saying like Premier League iconic managers: Wenger, Mourinho, and Ferguson. Best managers to ever grace the Premier League? Sure. Mourinho, Ferguson, Pep. Yeah, I mean, that's also like saying, like, Ibrahimovic is one of the best players to ever play in the Premier League. You wouldn't say that. Yeah, okay. So, you know what I mean? Like, so you're, it's association. Yeah. I, I, to me, oh, Pep, I, is, Pep is um, of a... Like a journeyman. A very, a very small notch below Ferguson and all-time managers, like, ever. Yes. But in the Premier League... You know, I think he. I think you need to do. There's probably like a time limit. You probably got to put in at least ten years. You got to put in at least ten years. <laughs> you but what he's done is United Legend. What he's what he's done is obviously in his career, yeah, just remarkable. He's he has the longest win streak in three different leagues: in La Liga, the Bundesliga, and the Premier League. The longest win streaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, you know, steroid programs aside, he's done some absolutely remarkable things at all three of those clubs and. You know, I think it, it, it shows with what he's been able to do with City in just such a short time. I think so he's had budget everywhere he's gone to. So, you know, not I, saying I could produce the same results, but I'd get close. I'd be pretty close. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good. 
Yeah, I could, I could win the Bundesliga with that Bayern Munich team. I could win La Liga with that Well, this goes, team. this goes back to the theory. I don't know if I could win the Premier League. So that's why I think Pep is a better manager than me by a low margin. So it goes personally. Ferguson, Pep, me, Wenger, Mourinho. I mean, my FIFA record speaks for itself. And this goes back to right. our theory of locking yourself in the manager's room and just sending notes. Just yeah. sending, passing notes to your team. Be like the guy in the booth at Deal or No Deal. Never, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got an offer coming in. Yeah. There's the a big, substitution coming in. Very well respected, but they don't know who I am. <laughs> then I walk out, just drunk as shit one day, and they're like, oh my God. Lukaku, then, you're coming off for Rashford. Yeah. You can't ask why. He won't speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we are quickly approaching our one-hour mark. A couple things left on the docket. We're going to end with our Andy's book report. Right. Talk a little bit about what we just heard, <laughs> but um, before that, I, I did want to pepper in talking VAR because it's yeah. been a while. But it's not really talking VAR. I feel like we need to broaden the scope to like trashing the rules. It's a big discussion. Trash the system. It's a big discussion. I think that we in the off season should have a full roundtable episode about this because it is a we. Someone's got to come up with some new rules, and why not us? How about a roundtable of people who? scarcely know what they're talking about and have no power. That seems like a great roundtable. Okay, so you, me, Andy, and we have, per the uh, rules of our podcast... Andy's contractually, contractually obligated to show up whenever yeah. we request him. Yeah, yeah, he has no problem with diving either, so he'll have a great, <laughs> a great perspective on things. Um, two things we want to talk about. I think they both associate with um, yellow card accumulation. My thing is, uh, it's Champions League related, but I think it applies to football in general, yes. so we'll allow it. Um, and you had a note today on, what was it, accumulation of yellows? In the Premier League, yes, it's five and you're suspended. Um, Did you have a take? Well, I am not too proud to admit that when uh, Lukaku and Pogba both got yellows, I looked up how many yellows they were on to see if they would miss the, Real quick. the, uh, the Arsenal game. They are both now on four, so they are both on the verge of being suspended, but there Which, are no games between now and Arsenal, so... No, games. no, no. But I'm saying, like, in general... Right. They're... I, I mean, that's... That's still not a ton of yellows, but they're they're definitely... You were you were hoping for a miracle. I was hoping to see somebody on four. I was also hoping to see Granit Xhaka pick up a red card today, just so he'd be <laughs> out of that fixture. You hate to hear it from your own fan. <laughs> <laughs> Mohamed El Nenny is the next Patrick Vieira. Change my mind. <laughs> you gotta park that one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, speaking about picking up... Yeah, the shot collar segment might need to come shot back. Shot collar. <laughs> Caesar Milan over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of picking up cards deliberately, I personally don't have a problem with no. five yellow cards accumulating to one red in the Premier League. I think that's fair. What the Champions League's doing that they're only barely scaling back on is throughout the entire... Uh, proper tournament phase, which is group stage and beyond, you can pick up three yellow cards and then you are suspended for the next game. For a lot of people, that if you're a defender or defensive midfielder, I feel like Matic is good for like one every two games. That third game usually comes in the round of 16. Mm -hmm. And then that means you're missing a crucial game. So a little context here to what just happened that kind of pissed me off is Sergio Ramos... Definitely has his own way of doing things. Let's, yeah. let's not take that away from him. Uh, he kind of, in a ballsy way, admitted in this game against Ajax that he he basically gamed the system. 
He picked up a yellow card on purpose because he felt good about his team's chances of beating Ajax in the second leg. I would love to see Ajax win that game. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be amazing. However, I have no problem with him saying, okay, I would rather miss out this game for my team than the first leg of the quarterfinals. And UEFA came down hard on him, probably for admitting it. But like UEFA came down on him saying, you can't do that, two-match ban. And I'm like, why can't he do that? It's a terrible rule. Yeah. And so he's... I was a little confused by this, but it's really a one-match ban because he's getting banned for his yellow card, and then he's getting one... So he would be he would be back for the second leg of the quarterfinal. Right. So it's a it's a two-match ban, but he was already getting a one-match ban. So it's... Um, I that was it. the first thing I was confused about because yeah, I thought yeah. he was going to get a suspension and then a two-match ban, which means he'd miss the entire quarterfinal. Right, time. right. Um, but to give yeah, a little bit more context as well, so the group stage is six games. Six games, which are usually hotly contested, and you really don't have a whole lot of margin for error. You don't know if goal differential is going to come into play. And then, so he was sitting on two in six games as a center defender. If you're, that's if you're normal. a defender, I'd say two, yeah. two yellow cards is by no means like poor. Um, I, right. The word's escaping me, but like that's like par for the course. Right. You're doing your job. Yeah, and I don't even. I mean, I think that the easiest solution here is let's just like if the World Cup is a little bit different because the World Cup has a similar. Thing, and then, but it's two yellow cards in the World Cup. But they only play three group stage games, and then they reset at the semifinal. So you're really only able to play five games. That's you. Sh- I mean, it's 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 always been the rule of the World Cup, so it's, it's understood. Mm-hmm. The Champions League, that's a lot of games, and so yeah. he was just. I mean, I've got no issues with because he didn't do anything outside of the laws of the game. He didn't do anything to the, that by the rules of the game warranted anything other than a yellow card, and, and think- that's what he did. To have the presence of mind to do that mid-game and be thinking that far ahead, I'm like, credit to you. Yeah. And I just hate how UEFA came down on him to kind of shield the, the the fact that their rules are stupid. But let's be real. He only got this punishment because he admitted to doing it, which was dumb of him to do. I kind of loved it. Yeah. I mean, it was just a – it was it was like a, a real cocky, I game of the system, look how smart I am move. Yeah. And UEFA was just like, you know what? We're not cool with you having an attitude about this. If he would say, you know, I was just a smart foul to make at the time. Um, you know, I wasn't trying to pick up the yellow, but, you know, it happens. And, you know, I'm confident in my team's ability. Mm-hmm. He's not getting suspended. Yeah. You know, and he's going to be there for the first leg. For sure. Yeah. It was definitely the ramos nature of it. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of put a cap on this. He also has a horrible reputation. And so I think, if, I think it's People like, still think he intentionally broke Saul's arm. Yes. Other people think that. <laughs> <laughs> Some say... Uh, I do think he intentionally concussed Carius. I do think that that's Bef- true. before the game, before the, not before the game, before the uh, before the the howlers by Carius. Rub a sponge on his head and tell him he's the best goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> um, oh man! Yeah, no. I think to cap off this segment, I would just say if I'm UEFA, change it to five, five yellow cards. That would be irresponsible of a player to rack up it within six or seven games, and just treat it like the Premier League. And then right. I had no problem with it. Anyway. Or reset at the group stage. Yeah. Or you mean knockout. Right. Yeah, yeah. After the group stage. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Th- three yellow cards in the group stage will get you suspended. And so, then, uh, or two in the group stage even. Come on, UEFA. Two hungover guys just figured this out. Yeah, we're willing to talk. Where are you at? Call us. Yeah. Um, all right. We've uh, eaten our main course. Let's get to the dessert. Yes. We have Andrew the Engineer Samora coming on, and he's going to talk to us about what he's learned about the Premier League, Leicester, and um, give us five minutes of your time, and then we'll check back in. 
This is Andrew the Engineer Samora calling back into Prem de la Prem. It's been about a month, and the boys, the guys, as we know them, Patrick and James, have asked me to call in with a little book report of what I've learned about Leicester City. And to be perfectly candid, I have not learned much. Most of it coming from Google. However, I did get a blurb. I think it was on my phone the other day that they fired, they recently fired their manager. Apparently, they lost four games at home this year, which won't get it done in any country in any sport. And they, although a quick Google search reveals that they won today, the 26th of February. But yeah, that's their second manager that they fired since they won the cup. And I don't even remember how long ago that was, two or three years. Patrick and James will fact check me, I'm sure. And also, uh, for some reason, every time I think about Lester, the nickname Chester the Molester comes to mind. I can't control it, frankly. I did notice that there was nobody on the team named Chester. We talked about James Vardy, the star player. Um, I don't remember what his first name was. His last name was Vardy. Um So that's cool. Also, I saw that they had another guy, James Mad Dog Madison. I did see that the Madison had two Ds, however, loving the U.S. president's name and then also just the Mad Dog aspect of it. They actually had a couple different uh, player names that had uh, pretty easy nickname opportunities. I saw that there was a Chilwell. There was a Casper. There was like a Wes Jones or somebody who just looked like a bodybuilder. Uh, pretty interesting team uh, just from just from clicking online. It doesn't appear like they'll make the playoffs this year, but I think the next step is just kind of watching a game in person and seeing if they can push towards the playoffs. Like we talked about in the podcast, in soccer, apparently every game means everything which I still don't completely understand, but one game that does mean something is opening night, Los Angeles Football Club, Bank of California Stadium, this Sunday, March 3rd, your boy will be in attendance. I don't know where my seats are yet. They show up on my phone later this week, but I will be there supporting on LA's newest playoff team, uh, the, the boys will have to fact check me on that, but I'll be excited to watch some soccer live, to take in the atmosphere, and to enjoy the Bank of California Stadium in all its glory. So thank you to Patrick and James. Hope to see you guys there, and I hope you're enjoying the Prem de la Prem podcast these guys offer. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon. Bye. And we're back. You've just heard the uh, lyrical stylings of, of Andy. He he candidly admitted that he went into a closet in his office and and banged this one out in one take. So make of that what you will. I want to pump this one over to you, Pat. I mean, I think he uh, I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. I mean, I think he's uh, you know he hasn't really 
done what we had hoped that he would do, which was... Oh, I feel a, like we failed him entirely, or he's failed us, because yeah. he has not watched a second of soccer. We didn't follow up with him, but um, Arsenal does play Leicester later this year, so I will be having him. I, he will be watching that with me, but uh, so he will learn that it is uh, not James, Jamie Vardy. Um, I don't know if anyone other than Andy calls James Madison the Mad Dog. Um, certainly no one at least publicly refers to that club in any similar context as Chester the Molester. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know how many crossover Leicester City LAFC fans there are, but uh, I'm sure Andy would lose his shit if they made it all the way to the Bank of California Stadium. Um, but one, the one thing that Andy did touch on that I think is relevant is, um, well, also he didn't learn that there are um, no playoffs. We went over that in great depth when he was on the show. Um but we will work on that because... We, I you know, feel like that was a 20-minute portion of our conversation. I think that was a large portion, yes. Uh, really just talking about the structural um, format of the Premier League and why it might not work for... Entertainment value. Yeah. I love that he did this for us, and right. I will love to keep having him on. I feel like we failed him. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that we need, to, we need to take a look at ourselves and you know, kind of go back to the what drawing board with What can we do? We need to make him watch soccer with us. And then talk because he he's always, he'll always be very engaged. Should we when, get him a Mad Dog jersey? We should do Mad Dog and Mad Dog where we get Mad Dog uh, alcohol. We sh- yeah, let's get him a Leicester City jersey instead of Madison on the back. We'll customize it and say Mad Dog. Love it. What do you uh, think about that, Andy? We'll get him the form fitting, the form fitting <laughs> authentic jersey. And then uh, the other thing to comment on, at least from my point of view, was it went from. Andy's book report to LAFC promotion real quick. Right. Yeah. Just, I mean, we're, we're all LAFC fans here on this podcast, but huh. uh, not not what this podcast is for. Ha. Huh. Yes. Uh, so we'll we'll have to circle back on that. But he did mention um, Lester did fire their coach, and they hired Brendan Rodgers, which I think is a very interesting hire. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Brendan Rodgers formerly managed Liverpool um, within inches of a title, uh, just a, a, a Steven Gerrard cleat plan away yep. from a title, yep. and what a what a misstep that was. But you know, so he he has credentials in the Premier League, you know, as good of credentials mm-hmm. as a Liverpool manager can have mm-hmm. at the Premier League. Um, and so I think it's a good hire by uh, by Leicester. It's an aggressive hire. He left Celtic, I think, on just kind of abandoned them, and yeah. Celtic's. You know, they're a Champions League side this year, I believe. So I, I, it's, it's kind of sucks for Celtic and. Right, Celtic just kind of got trashed there. Yeah, and the fans were not happy about no. that. I don't know if you saw the banners. Yeah, but, yeah uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were great. Um, I think manager aside, Leicester's a tough one to come into because it's like, what are their ambitions? Right. They're such a strange club in the sense that they won the title um, against all odds. And you, what are, what are the realistic expectations for this club? Some say Europa League team. I think the way the top six is established, that it's tough. So maybe it's like, yeah, consistent appearances in the top half of the table. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, let's just put it this way: they double their points. They're in second place. Like, so they're not close to that level. You know, the the they won the Premier League in. I think that they got. Did they finish with seventy one point, like eighty one points, something like that? They didn't have when they won the title. Yeah, yeah. It was a low. It was a low totaling season. I think. Yeah, and so I mean, you're looking at the table now. You got, you know, both City and Liverpool basically on seventy points. Yeah. 
likely four other teams hovering around 60. You know, so you're, you're looking at, to even crack into a Europa League place, you're probably going to need about 80 points. Yeah. And that's their best ever campaign when Se- all uh, the other top six were... Seventh gets you to the, the early qualification phases, I think. They're, this will be interesting because we'll, we'll have to fact check this one for the next episode, but I'm pretty sure there's only five European places guaranteed for the English clubs this year. I believe sixth is something you have to fight for, whereas seventh is... Out completely? I believe so. And it's all due to the UEFA uh, coefficient. Right. And I didn't know if that changed. I, I always... It knew. changes every year, but it, there's, there's not so much... Hmm. It, 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 it's basically the way it works is every league or country, and it's they'll have a UEFA coefficient, which is just how well they do in every um, international European competition, yeah. and that's only ever going to be Europa League. Yeah. It's only going to be the top league. Yeah. No, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but I think to to cut this to cut the story short is uh, the point we're making is like you either have to you have to usurp one of the top six teams, and the team I see closest to doing that is like Wolves. Right in a strange way, you know, the, the way that they're they're developing. So for Rogers to come into Leicester, um, I think it'll be interesting to hear him talk about what the ambitions are and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I think he's an okay manager. I never saw him as anything special. Uh, so we'll see what kind of reputation he can build at this club. Yeah, and I I, I would have to imagine that that's the type of hire that suggests to me that they're not content to be a mid table side. So I would expect them to follow this up with some spending this summer. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they'll actually do it? Right. Um, and I don't know how much money they have. And obviously, you know, their mm-hmm. owner their owner passed away this year, so they might be dealing with some just changes at the club level right. in that respect. But uh, but no, it'll be interesting to see it play out. Um, I'd be even more interested to hear how Andy thinks it plays out once he's listened back to this podcast and learned a little bit more. So mm-hmm. our our homework sounds like. Get Andy a little bit more up in tune with the Premier League. Make him watch some soccer. Forcefully. Get him talking. Uh, Andy, your homework is um, to do just something, I would say. Just, yeah. Put down the Google search. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, no no, resources for the next book report. you got to be flying blind. This is a no-calculator test. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was that was Andy's book report. Great way to end the uh, end the show for us, and uh, this is going to be a recurring thing. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. Mm-hmm. We we love having him on, and I think the best way to wrap this up is a push on the social media. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. We're stagnating at 40 followers on the Instagram. I think the memes are, are fire. Yeah, I, I can't even knock our meme game. Yeah. So I think it's really um, if if you guys are loving the content that we're putting out, just uh, please. Hit up your friends, your family, um, throw us a download, throw us a, a like, and um, we'll repay you with some with some fun new stuff. Yeah, we might open up a round of funding to buy uh, 100,000 Instagram followers, so if you have I, I'm thinking about I'm around. thinking about withdrawing my 401k and sinking it into this. Yeah, I, I can't just, think of a better use of that money. Of my money? Yes, of your money. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, got it. yeah, yeah No, yeah. I haven't consulted anyone about it. Fantastic. Yeah. You don't need to. We just, we just sorted it out for you. One million dollars! Yes. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.